Welcome to the e-commerce source podcast. My name is Parker Harrington and I'm joined by Tim McDougall. Tim, how are you doing today? Doing great, Parker. Doing great. And we are also joined by Shelby Kramer. How are you doing, Shelby? Doing well. Sweet, sweet. And on this e-commerce podcast, we cover small to medium-sized brand owners who are working to grow their e-commerce sales channels. And we really try to dive into the nuts and bolts of those. So this week, what we're going to cover, um, uh, and we publish every, every week, either Monday or Tuesday. Um, this week, we're going to cover the news in e-commerce that we've been talking about the most for November. And we do this once a month. Uh, if you like this podcast, just a quick reminder, um, recent episodes we've had, the episode we aired um, this week, uh, we're recording this on a Friday right now, but the episode that came out Monday was a great conversation with Jonathan and Avita Kunky, who founded Honeydew Sleep Company. And just, I love talking to them because they make pillows. I bought one of their pillows. I've been sleeping on it. It's great. But they also tested hundreds of different prototype pillows, learned to sew and stuff and make the foam and everything else to do it. And kept on going until they got the pill they wanted and just the, the the conversation about product quality and getting to a product you love to launch a company with, I loved. It was great. So go back and listen to that. It was episode 63. 62 was just us blowing off steam because it's right before the Thanksgiving break and trying to talk about the world of e-commerce by only using Thanksgiving dinner analogies. So it's our silliest podcast of the year, but um, we, we needed that. That was our halftime heading into the Christmas uh, sales season here. Um, and then on episode 61, we talked about some big changes in e-commerce advertising, including the Amazon Meta Partnership, some of which we'll talk about a little bit here, but we went in depth on the Amazon Meta Partnership, a bunch of AI tools that Amazon Meta and Google launched to help you as advertisers. So practical things that we're actually using today, uh, AI tools, and Amazon going beyond their e-commerce platform to advertise. And then in episode 60 was our recap of October news led by the very weird story of um, a prankster in England repackaging the urine from Amazon delivery drivers as an energy drink and ending up ranking number one on Amazon UK for bitter lemon drinks, right? So he made sales. He didn't ship any. He, he dropped the prank before it got more serious than that. But lots of other more serious good news in that episode as well. But for this, uh, and next week, um, after this recording comes out, the week after, we're going to be doing our bold predictions for 2024, most of which will not be right, because otherwise they wouldn't be bold predictions, correct? Right, Parker? Do you have any sneak peeks? I don't have any sneak peeks yet, other than, oh, other than Sonny's bold prediction that traditional e-commerce stores will be dead because we're all going to go to immersive e-commerce, uh, where you walk around 3D in a store and buy things that way. So that's, that's See one you of in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of Sonny's bold predictions. He's already previewed that one, but we'll have a bunch of others. Um, that that and the the rule will be they have to have a chance of being true, but they may not be true. That's why they're bold. We're not making the here's what the actual predictions are. These are the bold ones. So these are the hot takes. Um, with that, we have a huge uh, number of big topics for November that we wanted to cover. Parker, where do you want to start? Yeah, I was gonna say. We're almost late on the topic, even though what it's only been a week. But I mean, we got to talk about Sam Altman and Chat GPT and everything that was shaken up there. I mean, where do we even start with that, Tim? Yeah, I don't know that one. There's been so much written about in this, so let's try and recap it real quick. And this matters to us because we've been talking a lot, as is everybody in ecom, about AI tools, the impact of AI, and the impact of Chat GPT on e-commerce selling. 
And yeah, the story was on a Friday, Sam Altman gets fired by surprise. Nobody knows about this by the board. Over that weekend, Microsoft hires him to run a big new division as the head of that. And by Monday or Tuesday the next week, he was rehired. Um, and there was a whole saga. There were three different interim CEOs in the meantime, in like three days. And then Sam Altman's back after investors revolted and everything went nuts. What's come out since then is more interesting to me, though, because because um, it was very vague what he was getting fired for in the first place. It was basically the board said he wasn't being honest with us, so we fired him. And what's come out since then is that ChatGPT or or um, you know is that's not the that's not the highest end AI project they're working on. What they're really working on at OpenAI is generative is is um general ai not generative ai generative ai just takes stuff it can find and recombines it and chat gpt looks very smart but it's not really intelligent it's just a really smart algorithm that can predict words and form sentences correctly but it's not a, a standalone intelligence um what they're really working on is something called q star this got revealed and it's spelled q with an asterisk but it's pronounced q star and that's their general AI they're working on. And they had breakthroughs on that where it started acting autonomously and it started learning things on its own. And it it didn't become Skynet overnight, but it uh it you know, world domination was not, you know, something that it was gonna do the next day. But it started learning and I think they said it was at the level of a sixth grade uh student. It could start to learn and solve and figure out new problems on itself for like sixth grade math. Uh, but it was now learning on its own. And that's what the board said he wasn't being totally open about because they view that as potential risk. So that's the whole question about safe AI. Um, you know, is there is there responsibility to create a general AI or to do it in a safe way? And I think, I mean, I don't know, Parker, what's your take on this? Because I think, um, I think there's going to be, I think this now invites, there's going to be big legislation. So I'll make lead with a bold prediction for 2024 is there's going to be federal legislation on how to govern AIs is what I think is going to come out of this. There's got to be, right? I mean, we got to start somewhere because otherwise we're just going to fall behind and this technology is just going to keep running. Uh, and I mean, even taking it back a few years ago to when Elon Musk helped fund OpenAI and helped Sam Altman along the way. And the whole point of it was for it to be transparent and continue to stay open. And, you know, this just kind of sheds a little bit of light on if they were doing other things that they're not telling us about or as they continue to switch towards a profitability model. And then you've got Elon Musk coming out with his AI, AI bot, uh, Grok, I believe is how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. And like he's trying to compete in that realm and try to, at least from what he's telling us, He's trying to do this for the greater good of humanity so that AI just doesn't get out of control. But there's there's too much for us to talk on on this one. It's it's going to be interesting yeah. to watch it unfold. Yeah, so Sam Altman's back. Um, we're going to continue to see how ChatGPT evolves. And they launched their whole app store earlier in the month, too. So there's a whole kind of thing around that to talk about, too. Um, I just think we're going to continue to find other uses for AI in what we do in e-commerce. But now there's a now there's a bigger. It's not just okay. What are we going to do to generate ad copy or generate listings copy? There's a whole bigger picture over this thing that. And I think if there's federal legislation on this, it's going to then affect the things that we're practically working on right now. Uh, so more to come on this. But this was probably the most talked about story of the month for everybody. This was kind of took over the news cycle and took over Twitter for a while, um, and. 
we'll kind of see on this. I don't think it's, again, it's not Skynet yet, but this is, you know, when, when people are scared about AI, this kind of breakthrough that only we only learned about because of all the things that were flying around and things that were leaked, to be honest, after the board let Sam Altman go. Now we learned about, now we, now we understand that there's some deeper things going on at OpenAI that um, we hope they're handling responsibly, but there's probably going to be a need for some oversight, and I would bet that's what happens coming up here. Right, and if you look at all the progress, at least the public, the common progress, all the tools that we have access to that we've experienced here in 2023, I mean, it's only going to get faster from here. Yeah. On that note, um, since we're still on AI, let's work in, we had a couple other AI notes. So um, Amazon did launch, as did uh, Meta and Google, launch a bunch of new AI tools for ad creation, right? So we've been, we've been using a lot of them. Um, and the one that cracked me up yesterday, the one that made me laugh, was we were trying to work, and we have a partner we work with that sells, among other things, uh, holiday decorations, so stockings and tree skirts and everything else. And we were trying to use Amazon's AI image generator to take to create lifestyle photos for some of their products. And, and this is where I'm not worried about AI turning into Skynet just right away now, because you know, we managed to over many iterations, and this was, we did this live. It's very fast because we did this live on call with them yesterday. And we ended up getting some good photos, but some of the photos along the way were just cracking us up because we had um, stocking hanging on a fireplace mantle. So we had an actual stocking that we were selling on it, right? And there's a picture in the notes that nobody listening can see, but Parker and Shelby can see. Um, and yeah, the AI didn't know to place it hanging from the mantle. It was hanging, it was sitting on top of the mantle, standing straight up. But also there's weird artifacts when we do these in Amazon's AI tools. So on this fireplace mantle, there's some, you know, small toy trees. There's some toy presents. There's also a weird statue that's some kind of hybrid of a squirrel and a reindeer and has weird legs and limbs popping off in directions that we can't and ears coming out of areas of body where there shouldn't be ears. So there's kind of this weird uh, nightmarish kind of image <laughs> or statue on the mantle as well. Uh, and as we did these, we kept on noticing every image we had had some weird thing on it that if you look too closely, just was was clearly off. Um, so the AI is still a work in progress, right? It's still a pretty great tool. I mean, we were still pretty happy with, we eventually got to one where we could crop around some of the issues and not have anything that looked just totally off. But you Parker, launched you these ads them? this week, right? Pardon? You launched these ads, right? Especially the yeah. squirrel one? Yeah, we, no, we didn't use the squirrel one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've been using it a little bit uh, just with some of our products and mainly around like the kitchen or uh, dining area, trying to make it look like it just blends in when yeah. I've needed creative. And it's been nice to not need to use other tools and kind of just build that within the Amazon platform. I really haven't much messed around much with Metas or Googles. Yeah, and we started playing, Sunny and our team started playing with uh, Metas. So we've had, we have some tests going there and we'll kind of look at those together next week. Um, but it was funny cause we, we, sh we did that tool live on our call with our partner and then, um, the lead on their team, their director of e-commerce, we pretty much lost her for the rest of the day as she kept on playing with images and trying new images out, which, um, which was hilarious. And she kept on posting the new images and, um, we have a whole, we have a whole channel full of different attempts to get an image display, right? Some of which ended up, again, we ended up with some good results, which we're now using in ads, right? Um, and the speed was great. So. And where this applies to a lot of e-com sellers, I think, is, yeah, we all want better images, but images, getting great images takes resources, especially lifestyle images. And 
you know, with some work with prompts, but a lot less work than actually going out and shooting something, you know, we ended up with a pretty good image for the ads, even though some of the steps in the, some of the intermediary steps were pretty hilarious that, that we wouldn't want to use. Some of them appeared downright creepy. Um, you know, we had cups of pens on a desk that like the pens were floating in air, just kind of all kinds of weird stuff. That's weird artifacts you get. Um, goodness for sake of time, you ready to move on to our next topic? Yeah, let's move on to our next topic here. Sweet. So, I mean, this could have taken up the entire conversation today as well, is just talking about all the different platforms that Amazon partnered with over the last month. Yes. But fortunately, we don't need to do all of them because a lot of this we covered in a couple episodes ago. We covered a lot of these, right? But the big one, and we, and we need to mention it here again, and we won't go into as much depth, is the Amazon Meta Partnership, um, where that used to be Amazon and Meta were kind of frenemies. Um, didn't allow each other's data to transfer over. There's been a long fight over that, and that changed. Um, now you can go directly in there. You can put an ad you can uh, for a product, an Amazon product, into Facebook, uh, and people, consumers can buy that product without ever leaving Facebook, which was always the big deal because Facebook didn't want people leaving the platform. Amazon didn't want data transferring back and forth. Um, but that all changed, and now you can buy products right within Facebook which we've started testing on some things too. And it's, it works pretty smooth. Right. Um, and then the same thing that was, that was announced what on the 9th of November and then Snapchat integration was launched with Amazon five days after that, which didn't get covered as much, but it's pretty clear right now that Amazon's plan is to roll out this. You can buy within the platform. You can buy with prime, buy with Amazon, right within the social platform for everything. And have we spent much time talking about how why they're doing this now. What's your take on why they're doing this now, Parker? I think they they saw TikTok launch their e-commerce side and they're saying, hey, now's the time. Let's make sure they can't compete. Yeah, to to me, it's been Amazon's been looking at how do they keep growing their ad reach and how do they grow it beyond their own platform? Because Amazon's really been 99% focused on ads within their own platform or you could buy displayed networks and go out, but they were never that... uh, the returns were never great on those. It was more for awareness. And I think this is Amazon looking at saying, if we're going to keep growing, we have to be, we have to have high performing ads outside of Amazon to keep growing the audience on it. And this is part of it. Another part of it was doing uh, football games with the NFL, right? So they can get more reach that way too. But, but I think Amazon's kind of taking the approach of, we don't want this whole affiliate marketing thing to go beyond us. We don't want all this. We don't want to have all these channels out there that Amazon can't touch. Did you research much on the Black Friday game that they ha- held? Oh, they had the special game on Friday. I don't have much research and results on other than it got great ratings. It was the first time there's been kind of a Friday game during the Black Friday holiday. So specifically, uh, during the high school and college seasons, like the NFL doesn't really have games on Fridays and Saturdays, right? Just to keep those two afloat. Yep. And with it being the holidays, Amazon launched the first Black Friday game, and they were able to run deals that you can purchase while you're watching the game. So it was right there in stream. And then as well, the other piece on it is customers were staying in the house to watch the game and might not go out shopping. Not like they're going out shopping as much anymore anyways, but to completely squish that bug, people are just going to stay home, watch the game, shop their deals on the TV while it's live. Yep, you can get your shopping done and your, and watch the football games at the same time. So Silly. Yeah, I thought that was pretty pretty ingenious. Shelby, did you watch any of those games or no? I did not. You did not? I'm getting my shop on. 
didn't get your shop on for that. So you're getting you're getting your shop. Well, you're getting your shop on later this afternoon, right? So starting with white elephant gifts, you doing any of the other shopping coming up um, here? Not not currently, no. Okay. I am and Parker, where do you stand on your your Christmas shopping? Are you are you mostly done or have you not started? Where are you at right now? I'm mostly done. It started with the Black Friday deal, so about a week ago. And uh it's it's pretty much there. I'm I'm feeling good. I am, I'll say with shame, not even started on any of my holiday shopping, um, which is par for the course for me, unfortunately. I'm trying to break that this year and not be a last week of the season shopper, but that's where I've been every year. Um, just get too caught up in other people's business and I don't want to be on Amazon for other things. I'm on Amazon enough with with all of our partners, but um, we'll get it done. I think my kids have lobbied for a shopping trip on Saturday. So I think we're going to get this, we're going to get this party rolling early as well in this end. Um, so we talked about just a ton of new ad plan and ad options launched in the e-commerce space. The other one that we should mention that's new since we did our podcast and all these was Google launched a deals hub within shopping. And so instead of just shopping for an item and seeing all similar items, you can now go straight to deals and just say, show me all the deals. Um, and you can just shop straight up on what's being discounted and what's on deal right now, which is that's also really interesting. And I can see certain types of shoppers Relying very heavily in that. And, and it's Google also trying to be more useful in their shopping tool. So there's just a lot of new stuff coming out there. Um, next topic we should talk. We can't talk about this without mentioning Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which we started to talk a lot, little bit about with, with Amazon's Friday football game. Perfect transition. Did and, I do well there? Did I do an actual transition, Parker? Yeah. And with... That? With everything, with all of the transition to online over, you know, the last however many years plus throw in a little bit of inflation. It's like, was were there any records that weren't broke this year? It felt like everything was a was a break. So we, the quick stats we have are Friday, uh, US online sales were 9.8 billion, up 7.5% from last year. And most of this data, this has been reported in common across a lot of sources. Most of it comes from uh, Adobe Marketing Cloud is, is the source that a lot of these uh, reporters are using for this. Um, and uh, that Monday, uh, the U.S. online sales were $12 billion, which made Monday the highest, uh, the highest single e-commerce day in U.S. history uh, with $12 billion. So uh, the interesting thing that was also noted in that with a lot of, and we'll see the final data, but this is sampling across a lot of, uh, a lot of analysts looking at the data they have access to, is that Friday was more marketplace dominated. So Amazon and Walmart and everybody else. and then. The shift, there was more of a shift towards direct-to-consumer uh, sites, so Shopify sites and everything else on Monday. So people started off on the marketplaces, probably shopping broadly, looking for deals, and then the massive onslaughts of email campaigns that hit over Black Friday and throughout the weekend hit, and that pushed people over to Shopify sites more so on Monday. So direct-to-consumer sites had a bigger Monday, Amazon had a bigger Friday is what we've been hearing from all the analyst reports. With with all the noise across all the platforms, all the marketplaces, what are you recommending to your clients going forward as let's say let's say they're interested in running some deals around this time of the year like you looking for like monthly deals, like week long deals, two week long, 48 hour. It's changing. We've been more aggressive on deals this year than we had in prior years just because there's more discounting activity going on and there is there was fear of a little bit of resistance to shopping because of recession fears and economic fears and everything else. So we went a little deeper and a little uh, more active on it. The other thing that really happened this year was that Black Friday deals 
Amazon was announcing Black Friday deals 11 days out. So um, if you were paying attention to what they were doing 11 days before Black Friday, you were getting advanced Black Friday deals. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's like every year, I think one person made the joke of uh, every year the pumpkin spice latte gets, gets sold earlier at Starbucks and comes out of the Starbucks menu earlier. And every year now we're seeing the Black Friday deals start up earlier as well. And so, yeah, we're, I, I think we're going to see that continue. I think it's going to be more of a, uh, we'll see if this holiday gets more spread. There was definitely a spike during Black Friday through Cyber Monday, or or even that that Thursday was even a strong sales day. So, as some people call it now, the Turkey Five was was there was definitely a spike during the Turkey Five. Um, but I think we're seeing we're also seeing the deals just launch earlier on this. I, I, that's that's the big question for next year: is how early should we be out? Should we be out early with deals? Do you wait for the big days and you're caught up in all the noise, or do you just go earlier and earlier and then it becomes an arms race for who goes? The earliest on their deals. What's your take? What's your take, Parker? How are you? How are you advising partners right now? I kind of just like copying what Amazon does. Amazon ran, you know, their Black Friday Monday through Friday, their Cyber Monday from Saturday through Monday, and I'm even okay expanding on that. Uh, I feel like you don't want to go shorter than what Amazon does because I feel like, especially on the clients that I'm on on Amazon, I saw a big pop on Monday. People were ready for it. And it's like, if they're going to be active and on their computers and ready to shop that day, I want to make sure I'm ready on my D to C sites. Yeah. And that's interesting because across, I mean, across the industry, what I was hearing was Amazon was Friday was a much bigger day. And even some, some really big, uh, e-commerce firms were saying, Hey, Monday was only a little bit better than Sunday for the things that we have for our looking across all the accounts that we manage. Monday was generally the bigger day. Um, Friday was big. Saturday held up much better than last year uh, on everything I've looked at. Sunday was pretty good. And then Monday was actually the biggest of the four days. Uh, and that's a little bit counter. So I, we got to figure out what's different among the, the, the accounts we, we look at and we have firsthand access to versus the industry-wide. But yeah, I noticed the same thing. On our accounts, Monday was generally the biggest day, even though industry-wide on Amazon, what we're hearing was Friday was the bigger day for them. Did you see that video of Target? Uh, the Black Friday cards that they placed in front of their regular. So they have the Black Friday pricing and they placed it in front of the regular pricing. Did you get to see that, Tim? No, I did not see that, Parker. So in the entire Target store, they replaced, and I haven't looked into the legitimacy of this, but it was their Black Friday prices matched the exact same price. And it was funny because we joke about this being online, like people increase their prices right before Black Friday to then discount them. Yes. And this wasn't, IRL version of that and Target didn't even care to hide it. They just, they, so this is funny because the next thing on our, on our, we have a picture on our notes here of, and this is, these were all over Twitter, but the one I pulled was from Viking Lass. So I don't know who Viking Lass is, but Viking Lass posted it. And it was a photo of, they bought a, the redneck hot tub. They bought the inflatable hot tub, which I, I, I've been a proud owner of one of those too. Those are great for the winter up in the upper Midwest here. Uh, but they bought one a couple days before Black Friday, and it was $599.99, right? And then on Cyber Monday, they looked at it again, and it was marked as 30% off. But it was the same price. Cyber Monday deal was in big red letters, and it was the same exact price as it had been a week earlier. And so, yeah, these pricing shenanigans of it being called a deal, but it's not really a deal. It's the same price it normally sells for. We've seen that on Amazon. We make fun of that on Amazon all the time. But you were seeing it live in real space 
for target. sure. So the target one was in person and I don't know how they're getting away with these Amazon ones because in the deals that I applied for, the discount price had to be the lowest price over the last 30 days. And in the screenshots yes. and everything that we're looking at, that's not the case. That is, I mean, in one of our screenshots we have here, it's one cent lower. The scam that I've been seeing, um, and and this is back, you know, who knows if you can really, we didn't try and do this, so I haven't verified it, but the scam that I've been hearing as I go through forums, as I, as I wade into the cesspool that is Amazon seller forums or Reddit forums, right? Uh, which I have, I spend way too much time doing sometimes, but was, uh, and where some black hat sellers were doing was taking that, like if that price was $599, they were raising it to like $999 for a day, having one of their own employees buy one. So Amazon can say, oh, okay, you did sell at this price and then dropping it back down. Because the rule on the discounting um, language of Amazon, it, it has to be lower than the highest price you've sold in the last 30 days. And so what they're doing is engineering a fake sale at a higher price so then they can say it's now at a discounted rate, even though all they did was move the price back down to its normal price. And that's been a way that we've seen people, because we've tracked price. We know there's some gaming going on because we have price trackers and everything else. We know there's people gaming the system on that with that particular hack. Hopefully Amazon picks up on that and that's no longer the case. But I, in, these screens, in the screenshot we're looking at, I'm pretty sure that was the case. They raised Makes the price sense. for a minute. Somebody had somebody they know buy one at a higher price and then dropped it right back down and got the discount note on it. Yeah, and uh, it is one cent lower. But everything else had to be multiple percentages lower and everything that I had access yes. to, you know, I don't have, I might not have the inside tools that some other Amazon sellers have, but who knows? That's uh, our listing. So other things real quick on Black Friday before we close that out. So um, buy now, pay later, which we've talked about a lot on this, that was up 47% versus last year. So people who are buying things on Amazon or elsewhere and selecting different buy now, pay later, where they can pay a quarter now and then pay in installments every month. That was up. There's a lot of concern over, you know, does that, does that spell bad things for the economy or not? Um, MasterCard said that e-commerce sales were up 8.5% and in-store sales were only up 1.1%. So that, I thought that was interesting, just the continued shift. Uh, and brick and mortar had a, you know, grew. We were getting reports from our partners that also sell a lot in brick and mortar. The brick and mortar, the general reports they were getting um, were the brick and mortar retailers saying that things were soft going into the holiday. So one plus 1.1% probably equates to that and probably makes sense with that. Um, and that on e-commerce overall, because we've been looking at, you know, while the general sense is in the overall economy that prices have risen and certainly on gas and, and things like that they have, but the general prices for comparable products, same products on e-commerce were down 6% versus the same year, same time a year ago. And this has now been true for 14 months in a row where the month over year, the year over year pricing has been lower on e-commerce um, and has been generally declining. And that's part people chasing deals is part of a lot of other things like that. Um, but generally, you know, we're seeing negative inflation on e-commerce products as competition is, just heats up there. Um, okay, Parker, we have two more that we have to hit before we close this out. And then a few, a bunch of bonus ones that I'd like to work in quick takes on. But So this one's from, yeah, this one's within the last 48, 72 hours. This is recent. Yeah, this one just uh, happened. So my lesson is... About if you're an ad, if you're if you're a publisher and selling advertising, probably the thing I wouldn't do is to go tell all my advertisers to go f themselves. That's probably 
what I would not do. Um, what I know, do you think happens after that? Radical thinking here. <laughs> yeah, you think they get more ad spend? Yeah. So this is uh, Elon Musk at a at a big conference. So it's on video, and the interview is fascinating. If you want to look, if you want to watch an unhinged uh, video, my favorite was where he. He first, like early on, he talks to the interviewer and says, it, it starts off a little, gets a little weird and hostile and he goes, and it's something like, I can't remember the interviewer's name. I need to look it up here, but it's, um, but he doesn't like, well, Jonathan, the only reason I'm here is because you and I are friends. And the interviewer says, uh, my name is Andrew. And that's how it starts off. Oh my gosh. Right. So it starts off in a, in a weird place. Um, and the interview, you know, I think, uh, the interviewer did a great job of trying to keep things, um, keep it as clean as possible but uh elon was not in a happy mood and this came just after a bunch of advertisers including disney and bob Iger of disney had spoken on the same stage earlier that day at the same conference um had decided to pull their advertising for twitter because their con their ads were appearing next to fascist and neo-nazi content or hate speech content so they pulled advertising um and then elon's response is go f yourself on the stage we don't want your ad spend and um i don't even know what to make of this at this point i don't i don't think the the reports that have come out in the 48 hours since or the 24 hours since have generally been a tone of there is no uh there is no upward potential for twitter at this point unless elon sells that it's gone beyond advertisers saying i don't like that i have adjacencies to content or there's issues about sometimes i'm adjacent to content that i that i think is hateful and bad it's now gone to I can't do business with Elon Musk. You know, we are not going to be involved in any business with Elon Musk. That's where it's moved to. I don't know where it goes from here. I don't think he's going to sell it, but that's the general analyst consensus is there is no upside for Twitter unless he does sell it. And so perfect timing. I just happened to finish uh, the Elon Musk biography this week. The, the Walter Isaacson one, the new one, right? You got it. You got it. And so it gives some background on his obsession with the letter X and how he's had this plan all along since he was working uh, with Peter Thiel and all the way back in like the PayPal days and him yeah. wanting that platform to be like a community where you can just talk and exchange funds and buy things and do all these things. And essentially that's now what he's trying to turn Twitter into. And I don't think it's going to make it. And the killer for me is you can do that without doing all the mistakes that he's made, right? That's a very viable path and actually a pretty interesting vision for it, but he's gone in a totally different direction. I think his his vision of his politics and everything else have come in and kind of superseded all the other things that could have been upside for Twitter. And that's kind of taken over the show right now. Um, so I'm not sure where all this goes. I, he, he did claim that advertisers are trying to blackmail him by pulling their advertising, which is a ridiculous claim. As, as a company, you know, our agency, 50 Pound Boson, buys a lot of advertising. Um, you know, we're going to put the money where we think it's going to help sales the most. That's the only thing we're thinking about. Like we're not, it, it's not trying to, and, and right now I think advertisers are just saying that Twitter is not the place that's going to help them. Um, and we should be clear, this was never a big, from a digital ad market, Twitter was never more than 2% of the digital ad spend. So it's not, you know, advertisers can leave this and put it elsewhere and not even notice the difference, to be honest. What's more important for us is, hey, this was a, this was the largest, well, for a lot of different groups, this was the largest online community that we had was Twitter. And for, if you're in e-commerce, it was the most valuable and largest online community for e-commerce that, that we have. 
and it's getting smaller right now. I mean, there's not as it's not as active for us. There's a lot of things we learn and interact with and people we connect with on there that it's just not the same there anymore. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's where the biggest loss is for us is just that there was a sense of community if you had an interest and it's that's what's dwindling. That's what I don't know what replaces that fully. I don't think the advertisers are coming back though. <laughs> are you still active on Twitter, Tim? I am only active reluctantly. I will check into it, but I, I will admit there's like, I don't feel clean going on Twitter anymore. And I run into a lot of content that I want nothing to do with there. And so are you verified? I am not verified. I think, I think well, that's one of the things that backfired on them is I think getting verified and getting the blue check mark is actually a negative in a lot of ways for a lot of communities now. It's like, oh, you're blue check mark people. That actually reflects, in certain me, reflects poorly on you. Um, but unless you have blue check mark, you're not getting any reach anymore. So, yeah. It, it, what about you? You're not verified. You're not Twitter verified, are you, Parker? Uh, I've I've been inactive and I haven't used yeah. it much in years. Yeah, I, I've I was using it to a lot of like business connection stuff, but I'm not. I'm I, I'm much more active on LinkedIn now than I was before, and that's where I'm trying to find community there. To be honest, um, and that's replaced what I was doing on Twitter. Twitter's was more fun than LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a lot more serious, but. Um, <laughs> But it's a lot more, it's be, I'm making that the valuable place I'm trying to build community around business rather than interacting with other e-com sellers on Twitter these days. Um, and yeah, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. There is the conspiracy theory that Elon's trying to do this so that the value of Twitter tanks and he has to pay less interest and he get his debt restructured, which I don't think is that crazy a conspiracy theory at this point. Um, but that's out there as well. And actually a conspiracy voiced by several high-end analysts that are evaluating Twitter. So. Um, We'll see. We'll see what comes out of that. Um, we'll take cotton. <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens with all yeah, of this. Right, right, um, right. But you know, advertising revenue is less than half. Uh, they're going to lose another twenty percent off of their projections in December alone. Users are down twenty percent, and the general consensus is the app is not as easy to use because they took a lot of features and moved them behind. You have to pay to get these features now. So there's not a lot of other things that people are loving about the platform either right now at this point. Um, let's talk. Let's switch gears. Um, so Parker, can you buy cars on Amazon? Back to our favorite platform. So Amazon just introduced the ability to buy vehicles on Amazon starting with 2024 models. And I'm pretty sure this is live right now. It is live now. Be- I put a screenshot. I was actually down. I was actually this morning testing it out. So it's live now. It's only Hyundai at this point. Um, but other automakers will launch on Hyundai is the one they're launching with first. Hyundai's had a long partnership with Amazon, by the way. This is not the first thing they've done with Amazon. So anything you buy through Amazon here, you're going to have Alexa in your car <laughs> um, as a digital assistant. That's already kind of pre-installed there. Uh, but the cars, Amazon doesn't ship you the car. You either get it from, you can either go to a dealership locally and pick it up or the dealer will then drive it to you. So Amazon's the middleman here. Um, no, no two-day prime? Uh, well, you can get it that day. This works really fast. I mean, on Amazon, I went through it. I didn't actually press buy because I wasn't trying to mistakenly buy a car this morning by accident. But you can go through all the trim options. You can go through all the different financing plans. You can get all of that done right on the platform. And then you just press, you want to you want to pick it up. And then you just, you want to pick it up or you want them to deliver it and they'll deliver it. So it's actually live right now. It's only the 2024 models, but it's live right now. And you know we were joking because, well, the team likes to joke that I drive. I, I will fully admit, I drive a 17-year-old Prius that um, 
I have the probably the you know the least sexy car in the entire parking lot out there, and and it's my family's even joking about it. it's time for me to be looking at a new car. So I was looking at electric car. We've been talking about do we go electric with the next car, and the Hyundai's were ones that I was looking at. So I I spent my a little bit this morning before the show, going through there, and the idea of having of being able to do it without dealing with a car salesman, or having to do the whole dog and pony show on the lot. There's some appeal. I'll admit there's some appeal to that. There's some, there's some things I find nice about that. Does each listing have an ASIN? Like, does each car? Um, when I went through it, it went through make and model, so you could pick the model you want. Um, and then it went through all the trim options and told you, and then gave you a listing of, here's different uh, cities where it's located, where you can find one of these, and what the prices were, which I think each of those co- corresponds to a dealer probably, right? So. And then you say, this is the one you want. And you can, there's a click to buy. So if I click that, I, I'm buying it, right? Um, but you click to buy, you get a financing package set up. And then you go get it arranged to pick up. So I don't know if each one has an individual ASIN. Or right. I was going to go pull the Helium 10 data on it. Yeah. I don't think Helium 10 is, tra- 10 is tracking that yet. But, but you can buy there. And I think, um, yeah, why not? I mean, why are people, you know, I think a lot of people are going to want to go to dealership and test drive the car and do all the other stuff. but. Um, it's really easy to buy the car on Amazon. So, um, and we already know people will buy cars online because there's other startups. There's other there's other cars only platforms where you can buy a car online. So it's not like consumers won't do this, but you can just do it right on Amazon. And the presentation is really nice. You know, a lot of nice 360 graphics, a lot of good explanations. So we'll see. And that just launched. So that's just that's live now. Um, what other things before we run out of time? So we just covered. We usually try and cover a ton of stories, but there was a bunch of big ones. Um, what what ones should we also make sure we cover before we sign out here? We have about five minutes left. We can cover a few things. As always, keep an eye out for scams. A ton of fake e-commerce sites are on the rise. Yes, a huge rise in fake e-commerce sites up there, which mainly do to give you great deals and then collect your credit card information, never ship you anything, and then just farm your credit card information out. So there's a ton of, and they look really, they're usually taking actual Shopify sites and spoofing everything and just changing a few things on the URL is all they're doing. They look, they look very real. With people like us, like we're building landing pages or, uh, you know, websites and promoting these brands and doing the best we can. Like, how do you differentiate in 2024? In in an overall sense or in a fake site sense? Yeah. Fake site sense. Like, uh, so we got a new brand that we're launching this week, right? Uh, say we build the landing page or the subdomain or it's maybe it's the platform as a whole like we just the full domain and i mean how does it not trend towards more sales on amazon or walmart in the marketplaces yeah it, it's i i think what the the report that we saw was said that you know fake site activity is up 30 percent from prior year um and it's really easy to spoof. It's really when we could do it as, as a test. We could take somebody's Shopify site and reduplicate that entire site with having no internal access to it. Right? It's pretty easy to strip somebody's site and duplicate it and set up a fake site. It's just a really easy hack, and I don't I don't know how you guard against it as a consumer. You just got to know you're going, you know, go to the browser. It, what, what the difference is going to be the fake sites aren't going to be shown in Google results as much because they're new. They get taken down pretty quick. Um, they're not going to rank. So I think you want to go through and make sure you're getting to the right site link. I think most of these are coming through emails is people are getting hot deals on an email and they're clicking on the link in an email and ending up on the fake site that looks like a real site. And so it's just, 
buyer beware. Don't don't click on links from people you don't know. Don't click on links from sources you don't know. Um, and yeah, be careful on where you're shopping this weekend. I want to bring. There's one I want to bring up that that's because it's kind of fun and goofy, but it's also important. Um, and this is on Google Performance Max. So there was a study, and and we have a lot. Of, we have some large clients that are just starting to test out and use Performance Max right now. Uh, but what this study and what they and what they showed was there's some things that Google Performance Max does that people might not be aware of, and that's. And Google Performance Max, if you're not familiar with it, you feed it a bunch of assets, you tell it what your goals are, and it goes and figures out whether it should be running video or search ads or display ads and where to put them. And it's a kind of a big black box where they turn their highest AI and machine learning and try and generate the results you want. Uh, but what they discovered was Google Performance Max, and it searches for where to place ads, it'll place it anywhere. So if you don't set it up correctly, it'll show your ads on porn sites, software piracy sites, terrorist sites. Um, It'll show your ads anywhere. If the search term inside that site matches your product, they're going to show your ad, which is, I think, would surprise some advertisers and would cause some advertisers, some that we work with, would probably cause them to not use Performance Max because of that. So, um, but the study was pretty interesting. They used M&Ms and they were able to demonstrate live that if you search for M&Ms on a porn site, M&M ads start appearing in the display ad spaces on it. Um, they did caveat that Searches for M&Ms are not high volume on porn sites. So there is that. It's not going to appear very often. But the fact that it could, if you're an advertiser who really doesn't, you know, it's reputation damaging for you to appear on those sites, you need to find a way to guard for that. So I thought that was pretty interesting when that got released. I didn't realize that could happen, but that is out there on that. Um, what else, Parker and Shelby? What else should we be hitting before we sign out on this? The ad blockers. That one's a quick one. Just... YouTube and Google, I mean, Google as a whole, right? Over the last few weeks has been trying yes. to crack down on those. Yeah, so it, so right now on Google, on, on YouTube, if you have an ad blocker installed, they will throttle your load speed time. So you're going to take a long time for the video to load. Or if you keep on doing it, they're just going to put a screen up there that says ad blockers violate YouTube's terms of service and not show you the video. Um, so, and tell you, you need, to, you need to either buy YouTube premium to get rid of the ads or you need to turn off your ad blocker. And so they're just getting serious about this. And, you know, before they wouldn't stop you from viewing the ad, now they will. Um, the other one that I want to quickly bring up is Shopify launched tax platform as a feature on their site. Uh, and I just bring it that not the most, you know, sales tax is not the most exciting, sexy topic, but applying local sales tax across 50 different states, if you're a high volume e-commerce seller, has been a huge nightmare for a lot of e-com sellers. We've had to deal with it. Um, it's just really hard to set up. And Shopify up until now has kind of said, that's not our problem. But the fact that they've now launched this tool within the platform um, and it handles all of these local sales tax issues for you and remits everything, um, I haven't tested it out. They just launched it. Uh, the demo looks fantastic. We'll see if it works in real life. But I think this is, if there wasn't all the other crazy news about telling advertisers to go F themselves and Black Friday, I think this would have been a, in a normal month, Shopify launching their own local sales tax platform would have been huge news because it's a big quality of life thing. But what else? We can't end on something as not sexy and not interesting as that. Shelby? Give us, oh, Shelby, give it, you can, you can put the pressure on Shelby to add one to help us close off here. Oh boy, there's just so much good stuff to talk about. We don't have enough time. If you don't, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up one then. Um, yeah, go for it. And that one is, um, there was this hot topic of Amazon aggregators. 
of companies, startups, companies that were funded by VC funding that were buying up Amazon brands. Like if you sell a brand, and we have we have one that we sell predominantly on Amazon, and we got approached by a lot of these aggregators at one point. Um, and this was, you know, billions of dollars of funding put behind these companies that would basically go and shop and try and buy out smaller Amazon brands with the idea of they can buy them, they can grow them, they can pool resources, and they can make these things, these brands more valuable than they were worth when they bought them. Um, funding for all those has dried up. All these aggregators are struggling right now. Many are heading towards bankruptcy. Um, their model has not really worked. Part of the issue was that they valued these companies they were buying, the brands they were buying, based on pandemic era numbers a lot of times. Because the funding dried up in 2021, all the investors said, hey, wait, this thing this thing doesn't seem to be working the way we thought it was going to work. And 2021 is when kind of the bubble finally was over um, for a lot of that. And you know, maybe, maybe, Parker, we should have sold our brands back at that peak when people were looking at them as higher value. But um, I didn't ever think any of them were really serious when they're in their offers. But, um, but that kind of, we've, we've talked at length about, hey, the struggles that some DTC companies that were venture funded have had because they were venture funded assuming that the pandemic burst that they had and the growth they had would just continue. And it hasn't. I mean, Shelby, you actually came from a company that had a big burst during the pandemic and then had some struggles trying to continue that a little bit too, right? And they're yeah. performing well, but but they had some struggles as well. So that's that's a theme we've looked at. And to hear that's now kind of hindering the Amazon aggregator world, which we've had some interaction with, I thought was pretty interesting too. Of, of And these are businesses that might be doing well. They're just not performing at the same curves they were performing during the pandemic, which was a bit of a bubble um, as much as nobody at the time wanted to admit it. But that's that's... It was interesting to see venture funders saying they're just not funding any of these anymore. They're not putting any money towards these things at this point. It's, it's a dead model is what they're saying. Silly stuff. Silly stuff. Well, do we have anything else for today's episode? Anything else you'd like to recap from November? Uh, WooCommerce changed their name to just Woo, which I found <laughs> silly. So <laughs> because I can't, I can't work that into commerce. It's like, do you want to be on Shopify or BigCommerce or Woo? <laughs> I, I just had, I had a hard time trying to try to talk somebody through that because I had a hard time just saying just woo. So I still call it WooCommerce. But yeah, that's my only little last note that I wanted to add in there. Perfect Anything else? To end it. Parker, Shelby? I'm, we can end on that? Let's do it. End on the cute one. End on that one. So we'll wish everybody a happy uh, holidays coming up here. Next week, we're going to go through uh, our bold predictions for 2024. Always a lot of fun. Always a way to kind of let loose a little tension as we kind of have these last four weeks of hardcore sales push before the holidays hit. So thanks everybody for listening. Look us up. You can catch us on Spotify or anywhere else that you catch your podcast streaming and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.